Amen. I don't remember a lot from high school. Many of you might not remember a lot from high school. I'm almost 40, and some of you are almost 70, so I probably have a little bit of an easier job of remembering some things from high school than some of you. <laughs> but when I was in 10th grade, I had a history teacher. His name was Mr. DeSanzo. He was a short Italian guy who would always have his chest hair popping out of his shirt. Awkward thing to remember. But he would always, every class, he would start his class by saying these words. The past is prologue. And what he meant by that, he would open every class, every single day saying that, saying that what we're going to learn in class today will again happen in our world. What we've seen in the past, there's nothing new under the sun, and it will happen again. Because we're human and we never learn from our mistakes, he would say. And I would say, well, that's the sinful nature, Mr. DeSanzo. Okay, we're not going to talk about that, he would say. <laughs> but the important part of why I bring that is because the church in Corinth is a lot like the church in America. And the church in Corinth had very similar issues that we have today in our American church. It's almost like it's a mirror for us today. And that's why as we were walking through the churches of Revelation, which had similar issues to us, not all of those issues were, were what we deal with on a regular basis. But the book of 1 Corinthians, as they were transfixed by their culture, as they were in the world and they were of the world, Paul came and preached often to them the issue of Christ first, church second, and we are to be people who shape the culture, not to be shaped by the culture. And so this is an encouraging word for us as we look at Christ, culture, and the church. And we too can have the same type of attitude when it comes to our culture, where we conform more to culture than we do seeking to transform culture. Because we are called to be a church that shapes the culture, not a church shaped by the culture. And this isn't just the church of Indiana Alliance Church. This is the church in general. The, the body of believers across the globe are to be culture shapers, not shaped by the culture. Corinth had a lot of issues. Corinth was a messy church. And so I want to encourage you to read ahead and there are going to be many mature themes and topics that pop up in this book because they were so shaped by the culture that they were engaging in all kinds of immorality. And so if you are someone who would like to know where we are going in that specific Sunday and recognize as you read through, like, this might be a little mature of a theme please email me, and I write the sermon out every Tuesday. I can email it to you when I email it to Candy, and you can review it and see, is that something that I want my kids to be a part of or not that Sunday? Because they are pretty intense when you look and read the book of 1 Corinthians. I give that little caveat. I believe this entire series, the, the Christ Culture Church series, will help us step into our destiny as a church in America, but also in Indiana that we will walk into our destiny as culture shapers. So the question we'll ask this morning is, how can we walk into who we are as a church? How can we walk into who we are 
as the church. We'll read just three verses. 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 3. Those of you who are at home, it'll be on your screen. It'll also be here behind me. You can open up the Word yourself, your app, or your Bible, or read from the screen. 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 3. The Word of the Lord. Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God that is in Corinth to those sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ both their Lord and ours grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ as I had mentioned the church in Corinth was a mess they had all kinds of things that were going on at the same time there were some really cool things that God was doing in the church despite themselves but there was a lot of pride a lot of arrogance a lot of immorality a lot of mess a lot of just thinking themselves higher than and better than the rest of the global church and so Paul had to put them in their place. And we'll notice that if you were to look at, at uh, history, that this was not the only two letters, First and Second Corinthians, that were written to the church in Corinth because Paul mentions other letters in these letters that he had written, but they were lost to antiquity. They were not meant to be in the canon. But this is, and Christ spoke these words to Paul, and he wrote them down. The first step that we will see, there are five steps that we can step into and walk in our, the, the rightful way of being the church, who we are as the church. And the first step is the step of authority. We must remember the word and will of the Lord are the ultimate authority on how to live. The word and will of the Lord are the ultimate authority on how to live. One of the things that was happening in the church in Corinth was there was pushback on Paul's authority to preach and teach to them. They were so arrogant in their thinking that they thought, who's Paul to tell us what to do? We've had really great teachers like Apollos and, and others who have come to our church and encouraged us and, and blessed us. And, and I love Apollos better than I like Paul. Paul Paul's it's kind of hard to understand, but Apollos was easier to understand. And who's Paul to tell us what to do? And so Paul launches in at the very beginning explaining his authority by saying, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ. He very clearly declares that he is following the will of Christ as he writes this letter. He declares to them that I am an apostle, one who saw the living Christ, who was transformed by the actual physical presence of Jesus, and he has set me to be the preacher and teacher to you, the church in Corinth. My authority does not come from me in my name. My authority comes from the will and the word of Christ himself. Gordon Fee, one of my favorite theologians and commentators on the book of 1 Corinthians, says this, the emphasis in this instance clearly falls on his position of authority in relationship to the church in Corinth. But that position 
is predicated on his relationship to Christ Jesus as one who was sent by Christ to found this and other churches. He takes time right at the beginning to say, you have got to listen to what I'm going to say. This is the word of God. And the same is true for you and for me, that the word of God and the will of God are the ultimate authority on our lives. That something that might go against the word of God is not something that we should follow. Swords, a commentator, says he is Christ's own agent. Indeed, one might understand that Christ Jesus himself sent Paul. Thus, Paul is the one sent under the authority of Christ. It is not Paul's own human authority, but the authority of Christ. You and I have the word of God, the authoritative word that has been written to you and to me. We are to honor and hold high the Word of God. Scripture is our guide. Scripture leads and directs our paths. Sadly, we live in a very scripturally illiterate world, as it seemed the Corinthians were as well, because they were choosing to ignore and choosing to pick and pull apart things that Paul was saying to them. Paul had been their pastor as he founded this church for a year and a half. They would have known the truth of the gospel. They would have known the words of scripture. They would have known the life of Christ and how to follow him. But they weren't. They were trying to choose their own path, thinking that they knew better than the word of God. But I tell you, anything that goes against the word of God and the will of God is not from God. Okay? Anything that goes against the word of God and the will of God is not from God. This is where you closet ameners say amen. You don't have to be afraid to say amen, all right? It's okay. It means I agree. Yes, that is true. Because often we will hear things even from pulpits, even from books, even from those who we might think are authoritative teachers of Scripture, they will teach things that go against the Bible. And that is when you know they are false prophets. They are not telling the truth of the gospel of Jesus. When we look at the Bible and someone is saying something opposite of what Jesus said, of what the Word of God says in Scripture, we can automatically know this is false. And that's where we walk away from it. But in order to have that capability, we must know the Word of God. Because someone might be very convincing. Oh, well, God said this, and He said this in the Bible. I don't have an address for you, but He said it. <laughs> we need to know the Word of God and follow the Word of God. And the authority is God's authority, not our authority. It is the word and the will of the Lord. For example, before I move on, there can often be people who would suggest to a pastor or a Christian friend, you know, the, the Lord is leading me to do this thing. Some people have even said that it's the Lord's will that I divorce my spouse. No, it's not. Scripture is very clear as to what it says. Scripture is very clear as to what that is about. The Lord will never lead you to do something that disobeys the word of God. 
just because you fell out of love or something, whatever. We've got to be careful that we follow the word of God. The second step is the step of identity. The believer belongs to God, is set apart by God, and is to grow in holiness through Christ. Paul not only then leaps into his authority, he then talks of who the church is. He says, to the church of God that is in Corinth. He doesn't say to the Corinthian church. He says to the church of God in Corinth. Because the Corinthians were thinking so highly of themselves, he had to remind them, listen, you're not the Corinthian church. You're the church of God in Corinth. The church of God in Corinth. You are under the authority of God. You are identified and marked by the truth of God. God has put his seal upon you. God has said, you are mine. All of you are mine. What a beautiful thing. But it also is hitting the Corinthians right between the eyes. Because they were thinking of themselves as better than. But really, they were the church of God, not the church of the teachers that they were holding up, not the church of Apollos, not even the church of Paul, who founded the church. They are the church of God. Everything, everything flows from God and through God for them. Same is true for you and me. We are the church of God. We're not just Indiana Alliance Church. We are the church of God in Indiana. <laughs> we are the church of God in Indiana. It's not all about us. We're not the church of the pastor or the church of the elder, the church of the deacons. We are the church of God. And sadly, I think we have this movement of celebrity pastorship that happens in our society where all of the sudden the church becomes about the person leading. And they allow it to happen. But they don't remind the church that they are the church of God, not the church of any man or any person or anything or any place. They are the church of God. He also reminds them that Jesus is the one who sanctifies. He says, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's reminding them that not only are you the church of God, you are the people who are sanctified in Christ reminding the arrogant church in Corinth it's not about you you can't save yourself you can't make yourself better you can't even do what I have called you to do without Christ in Christ alone in Christ alone I think we live in a society in a time where we're just like the Corinthians where we think, I can do this on my own. I've got this. I can make myself better. I can work on myself. I can look internally and help myself. 
Now, we do need to have internal views, but that's with the eyes of the Holy Spirit, not the eyes of ourselves. Asking as the psalmist did, search me, O God, and know my ways, and correct me when I need corrected. The believer belongs to God, is set apart by God, and is to grow in holiness through Christ. Because Christ alone can sanctify us. We cannot sanctify ourselves. The CMA believes that Christ is our Savior, sanctifier, healer, and coming King. And we need to rest in Christ's power rather than trying to usurp His power in our lives. Do you want to grow in holiness? Then stop trying on your own. Surrender to Christ to make you holier. And then he calls them saints. As Pastor Mike appropriately brought forward, we are called to be holy. We can only be holy through Christ. And when we step into that sanctifying work of Jesus, we're saints, not ain'ts, as an old pastor used to say. One of the things that I've experienced in life is that often we have a, a wrong view of our identity. We say that we are sinners saved by grace. You see, the problem with that is that we're still calling ourselves sinners. We're not living into who Christ says we are, saints who happen to sin, and we need the truth of Jesus. The identifiers are different. It's like, you know, we, we are no longer identified by our sin. We are identified through whom? Christ and Christ alone. It's an identity shift. And when we see ourselves that way, we will recognize it's all through Christ. Yes, we have grace, and we will talk about that in a moment, but it's all about Christ. Sword says this, clearly they have their identity in Christ Jesus, and perhaps Paul even means to remind them that they are in Christ and no longer of the world, because they were allowing culture to shape their lives so deeply. They were of the world, not just in the world as they were called to be. So he's reminding them, you are to be in Christ, and when you are in Christ, you can be in the world and not of the world. Not in, not just in the world, but in Christ. This too is how we should identify ourselves as believers. In Christ, no more and no less. The Corinthian church, they were identifying themselves as rich, as wealthy. It was a wealthy city. They were identifying themselves as Jews. They were identifying themselves as Greeks. They were identifying themselves as Romans. They were choosing their sexual identity as a place to land their identity, their preferences of who they were. They were making that their identity rather than being identified in Christ. As believers, we are in Christ. It has nothing to do with us, everything to do with him. The third step is the step of diversity. We should, as the church, see this truth. The church, church is to have unity amid diversity. The church is to have unity amid diversity. The city of Corinth was full of a number of people. Jews were dispersed from Rome and they landed in Corinth. 
Corinth was a center of worship for multiple gods. It had great trade. It had a ton of money within the city. It attracted a cornucopia of people. And as people were coming to Christ, the church began to reflect the city, and it was diverse. There was diverse thought. There was diverse backgrounds. There was diverse economic and socioeconomic lives. There were different ethnicities within the church. There was a faction of Jews and a faction of Gentiles, and they were living in separation, basically sitting on different sides of the church because their ethnic makeup was different. And here he says, listen... We are all together. You are saints together with all those who are in every place who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. He's telling the church in Corinth, listen, you might not like the Jews, but they have the same Lord you have. So stop being silly and work together. You might not like the Gentiles, and they might say and do weird things. They might have really weird togas that you're like, that's not right. Stop being silly. Because the same Lord that's your Lord is their Lord. So work in unity under the banner of Christ amidst the diversity. And that's why, again, he stated, call to be saints together. You know, we're called to be saints together. We're called to encourage one another. We're called to live the Christian life in the public world together. We're called to worship Christ together. I'm not better than any of you. And none of you are better than me. We are all equal at the foot of the cross. Amen? In Christ alone not in ourselves or our own names. We should live into that unity amidst diversity. We can learn from one another who have different backgrounds. We can learn from one another who live in a different socioeconomic society than ourselves. We can learn from those who have different ethnic backgrounds and they live in different parts of the world or come from different parts of the world. I don't know if you know, but Indiana is special because we are a cornucopia of people because of our university. We can learn from one another. Let me give you a quick example. I've been to Haiti and I've been to the Dominican Republic. And every time I go to a different part of the world and worship with different Christians from a different background, from a different country than I, I'm always blown away. When I went to Haiti, uh, when I was in high school, and I went to a Haitian church and saw the passion that they had for Jesus Christ, despite the utter, absolute poverty that they lived in, man, you would not even know it by the way they worship Jesus. It was a three-hour-long service. <laughs> that would make an American uncomfortable. i got to go get lunch, you guys. What are we doing? Pastor, stop talking. And the worship leader would just continue to worship and worship and worship, and everybody was into it. And the same happened when we went to the DR this past uh, two years ago. We were able to go to a Haitian church, and it was so beautiful. It was packed. It was standing room only. People were outside of the church just singing to Jesus, and it was loud, and it was powerful and passionate, and it wasn't a show. There was this little kid, little kid, that was up on stage playing the drums, and he was going into it. 
I mean, I he was on beat too. It wasn't just like he was just going. It was on beat. He was going after it, closing his eyes, worshiping Jesus. And this dude was what Bethany, maybe like five or six. Dude was tiny, but he was worshiping Jesus. We can learn from the diverse world that we live in. Those who know Jesus, who come from a different background, can teach us so much. And another beautiful thing of what he was saying to the church in Corinth, he's saying, listen, it's not all about you, Corinth. You think that you've got the corner market on church because you have a really awesome gifting because many of you are, are flowing in the power of the Holy Spirit because people are coming to Jesus through the church that you are he's like but it's not about you there is a global church you're not the center of the world you're not the center of the church you're not that important you're just one cog in a giant thing that God is doing here again, I think that we as Americans can forget the global church. The church finds its center in Christ, not in America. The church finds its center in Christ, not in Corinth. The church finds his center in Christ, not in Rome. And Romans might think that they have the corner market. Every time we think that we are in it all by ourselves and that we have the center of the church, we fail to see the truth of who Jesus is because he's much bigger than our backyard. Amen? Man, did you know that the church globally is much larger than the church here in America? Did you know that in the CMA, we only have roughly 450,000 worshipers in our denomination in America, but we have over 4 million across the globe. In Vietnam alone, we have 1 million people worshiping Jesus under the banner of Christ, just in our own denomination. I mean, God is good. Amen? The world knows Jesus, and we can continue to spread the goodness of Jesus Christ. The fourth step is the step of shalom. The Lord alone offers the believer grace and peace. Read this again with me. He says at the end of his introduction, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He offers shalom this beautiful peace that you and I could never wrap our minds around. Grace in Greek is charis, and it means favor, grace, gracious care, help, and goodwill. Again, reminding the Corinthian church that it's not about you. This will be a theme that he goes through the entire book. Corinth, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. Man, if I don't need that message, because <laughs> I like to think it's about me. I look in the mirror and I'm like, it's about you, brother. No, I don't really say that out loud. <laughs> but I think it sometimes, that I'm the center of the world. I know you don't do that, but I sometimes do. But there's this shalom, this peace that is offered through the grace Warren Wearsby reminds us the Jewish word shalom, which is for peace, means much more than a truce in the battles of life. 
It means well-being, health, prosperity, security, soundness, and completeness. It has to do more with character than circumstances. Life was difficult at that time, just as it is today. How often do we live in disharmony? How often do we live stirred up and frustrated and angry? How often do we live peaceless lives? Here he's like, listen, church in Corinth, you have grace, unmerited favor, something you didn't deserve. And not only does that grace come to you as favor from Christ, even when you're a tool and not acting right, the grace is still available to you. But that grace brings shalom, great peace, harmony with God. Harmony is possible with one another. Harmony is possible. We can have shalom. We can have shalom. And finally, the fifth step is the step of Christ. All our deepest longings and needs can be found in Christ. There is only three verses here that Paul opens up with in the introduction. And Christ is mentioned four times. Four times. Commentator says this, A final note, therefore, about the salutation as a whole, namely, is its Christological emphasis. Paul is an apostle of Christ Jesus. The Corinthians have become believers, were sanctified in Christ Jesus. Christian universal, Christians universal are designated as those who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And grace and peace come from God the Father and are affected through our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, if that's not a message that we need to constantly hear, I don't know what is. It's not about us. It's about Christ. Paul will continue this message to the church in Corinth. It is not about you. It's about Christ. All of our deepest longings, all of our deepest needs can be found in Christ. How often do we look to other places, other people, other things to bring about the, the answer to our longings or our needs. But when you turn to Christ as your everything, you will find that you have the love that you need. You will find you have the belonging in his, his family that you need. You will find that he will take care of you as he promises to. Christ is good. And this is why those in Haiti who have literally nothing can worship with all passion and all sense of excitement because they realize that they might not have anything materially but no one can take away Christ may we live that way may we live in Christ Corinth was reflecting the culture way too much they were not changing the culture but when you and I live in Christ, we can transform the culture because culture can't satisfy the church. Only Christ can. We need look nowhere else but to Christ and Christ alone. So my challenge to you is to pursue Christ 
And you will find purpose, calling, holiness, grace, and shalom. All of those things are available in Christ and Christ alone. May you resolve today to pursue him, to remember the truth that this Christian life is not about me. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's not about Indiana. It's about Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for sending Christ on our behalf. That we can find our all in all in Christ and Christ alone. May that be the continual charge of this series. That when we are in Christ, the church can change and transform the culture around us. We thank you that you give us the Holy Spirit to live empowered lives, to glorify the name of Jesus. May we resolve to live into that truth. In your holy and precious name, amen.